Ebb and flow inspires persistence and determination during the rhythmical patterns of decline and regrowth in life. Each episode, I bring on an inspiring and influential voices who are here to help us stand strong and walk through the ebb moments of life and propel us to the peak of our health, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, so we can live our life in the flow, individually and collectively. This includes strategies, habits, routines, focus tricks, questions, and much more that we can use to live our life in the best way in order to maximize our service to others. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you're as excited for the Ebb and Flow podcast as I am, but to make sure you don't miss any episodes, subscribe now on any stream, check out YouTube, or visit SolomonEzra.com to learn more. Two months ago, I had the fortunate opportunity to travel to Austin, Texas to interview two fitness leaders I look up to, Kyle Kingsbury and John Wolfe at Onnit. Onnit is a company primarily focused on proper nutrition, fitness, and supplementation to achieve total human optimization. Until recently, my knowledge of training was very conventional and I was unfamiliar with novel training approaches that not only may get me to my goal faster, but are also more fun to perform. I'd looked into and followed Onnit for a couple years now and Tried one of their online programs, On It 6, and later doing On It Kettlebell program, that I really enjoyed because I was learning how to use my body as an instrument by itself and then slowly adding weights. Both online training courses were fun, programmatic experiences that improved my understanding and enjoyment of novel, unconventional training methods. Trying out these online courses and being able to speak to the coach behind it really deepened my understanding of really knowing oneself and tuning into how one responds to a practice. There were numerous times growing up that I wanted the perfect workout that would help me look better and perform on the court better year-round. However, as as you'll hear John today talk about, life is about shifting your focus towards what matters most with where you are now. Knowing yourself and what matters most at the certain time of your life is a vital component of getting into the flow. Because otherwise, you could be creating more unnecessary ebb moments in your own life. Today's guest is Onnit's Chief Fitness Officer, John Wolfe, a veteran of functional, unconventional training who learned from legends such as Pavel Tatsulini and Scott Sonnen. Coach Wolfe oversees training at the Academy and has been an instrumental in designing its certifications. I became familiar with him through the online programs on its six body weight and the kettlebell program and instantly wanted to learn more. Enjoy. I am here today with Coach John Wolf, a second interview I get to do at On It HQ in Austin, Texas. How are you today, Coach John Wolf? Doing well. Thanks for uh, taking some time to hang. Yes, thank you. So before I ask a lot of questions about the um, On It uh, body weight and like the, the on at six and then the kettlebell that I really want to dive into I'd love to hear a little bit about your background and how you got into you know functional training and that the the unconventional approach that on it takes sure yeah uh you know my my background originally I think my first entry point into to fitness in general or the application of fitness uh, it was really in martial arts. Uh, so, you know, four years old was my first exposure to, you know, 
body weight conditioning and conditioning specifically to excel at a sport, right? So a combat sport in this particular situation. And, and it was a unconventional environment in the sense that it was, uh, you know, not a single sport dojo. It was uh, kind of a hybridized martial arts system called Bojuka, which was short for boxing, judo, jiu-jitsu, and karate. So it was a kind of a, a mixed martial arts approach before mixed martial arts truly existed. And I think that that really, they gave me a framework of understanding of how uh, the discipline within the dojo, not only physical discipline, but the, the cognitive uh, mental and emotional aspects of competition and the bylaws of our, our cult within our culture at the dojo really drove me to be a better version of myself and that's kind of been uh, the the platform from which I've achieved most anything I've ever done of significance in life uh, as I got older you know I got into more of a bodybuilding influence physical you culture the approach. approach yeah and some people kind of grow up normally with the uh you know, bodybuilding or the kind of Western, you know, or from sports and different stuff, but you had to kind of turn around a little bit. Well, martial arts, I started when I was four. So, yeah, wow. I, you know, I don't think I, you know, it was before I would have been exposed to bodybuilding. I mean, most people don't give their four-year-olds any significant weight to move around, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so I think in, in my teens, I got into, you know, curls for the girls and got like a little power rack in my garage with, you know, old school weights, yeah. you know. Chrome with adjustable dumbbells and you know whatever whatever I could get my hands on mm-hmm. in my teens and uh, had had a really good time training in that way as well. Uh, you know I got I got older and got really distracted by um, the social aspects of life in my twenties and and really undid most of the benefit of all of my training and experience just through experimentation and in partying and and different substances so i found myself in a pretty bad state and wanted to figure out what's the most efficient path towards being the best version of myself that i've ever experienced and it really kind of went back into fitness got a conventional fitness certification realized that oh man you know when i was at the gym and when i'm going through this process even the person teaching this course is really beat up and their joints and and you know their body he was a, a you know a well-known professional bodybuilder that had retired and you know he just wasn't physically he was intimidating and imposing a presence but wasn't wasn't feeling well in his body and it was you really could just apparent. tell you had that just awareness yeah and i was just like wow you know even if this information is good the way that it's being delivered maybe isn't optimal and the way that people are experiencing it in the gym is far from optimal you know i've seen people do the same thing for 10 years straight and wonder why they don't feel better they feel worse their performance is actually not improving it's decreasing and so i started seeking out new new sources of information and found you know some unconventional sources of information like you know pavel satsalin or or scott sonnen Uh, those two gentlemen have had you know a big influence on my perspective around you know fitness and strength training uh over the years so uh that was kind of my first foray into what this whole world unconventional fitness yeah it's so it's like a just a huge kind of funnel and so i'm curious like and i've heard you talk about pavel and what's the other guy's name scott and scott son and which one did you get kind of uh mentored 
Uh, where you learned well, from. It was really interesting. In 2003, I had gone through both of their education courses in the same month in 2003. It was like September 2003. Yeah. And so the year preceding that, I was just a madman. I was swinging kettlebells and clubs just trying in my garage constantly. And, you know, and so it'd be like an hour of kettlebells, an hour of clubs, and an hour running. Usually actually flipping the two around because the clubs would pre-exhaust your grip. Um, you didn't want to have your hands tired before you started moving around. I'm, I'm curious, like, how... Because from, like, myself, and why I wanted to also kind of a, approach you is I really, I like to plan kind of things. And so I'm, I want, I'm curious with setting up the routine kind of stuff. It's hard for me to just go to the gym and swing some stuff unless I know, like, okay, what I want to hit today. Sure. So I'm curious, like, you just, how did you make that transition to where, like, you know, you're just running for an hour and then also swinging a lot of weights to, like, you know, sitting down and be like, okay, I really want to, you know, slim down and, and all, whatever, and, and get lean and build muscle as well and be move, uh, uh, mobile and then put that into like a, a plan, a plan or a, a regimen. Sure. Yeah. I mean, at that time, the, the amount of information that was available was, was pretty sparse, you know, so Pavel had just come out with his first kettlebell based book. I'd already been really following his writing in Muscle Media 2000 and pretty much had all of his his writings um, in my collection that really inspired me. I love his writing. And then Scott, you know, he had a lot of VHS videos and, and the content was really outside of, you know, out of this world compared to anything that you'd see at the time. So it was really more about spending those hours of time getting reps in and exploring the depth and breadth of all of the content that was available. It might not have been a lot, but for one person to assimilate through virtual delivery of like books and a couple of VHS videos is still kind of like a stumble your way through it kind of process. So, so I've, I really valued that experience, but it wouldn't be the way that I would deliver it now, no, right? Okay. So like you said, what's this evolution look like? And uh, you know, we kind of alluded to these things that we're we're working on these on it six programs. Uh, ultimately, you said you'd like to have a, an idea of what you're going to do. You like to have something pre-programmed or templated. I think that's really important, especially you're using a lot of these unconventional tools that we're known for at on it. You know, kettlebells are pretty well distributed, well known, but people still don't know how to use them very well. Exactly. Um, I get some weird looks at. I work out at my college. Uh, gym and yeah. people are like what the hell are you doing what are you doing you're swinging that thing around slow down and isolate I'm like, well, <laughs> maybe it's a very different approach than some people even now you know you know american physical culture is very very much still influenced by bodybuilding uh in a large large way and then now it's bodybuilding and crossfit are two of the probably the largest influences in the perception of what fitness uh, looks like you know and of course you know you still have powerlifting is something that that's still there as well but I think the advent of the popularity of CrossFit has kind of shifted the modern person's idea of what weightlifting look like looks like from powerlifting into Olympic weightlifting um, and the misappropriation of or you know the the assumption that everybody should be able to do some of these things yeah. that are very demanding right so so ultimately when we use a lot of these tools some of the people within our community are extremely skilled at 
kettlebell usages of kettlebells, clubs, maces, um, battle ropes, you know, uh, suspension training. And the reality is we want to have something that's really digestible for someone to come in at a beginner and intermediate level and have a programmatic experience where they can see their progress over the course of, ideally, I think now in the gym or in the mess of our lives, you know, uh, six weeks is not an outrageous amount of time to commit towards towards an outcome. And so that's why we kind of focused on the six-week program. And, and even within six weeks, knowing that, hey, we live in a day and age where the attention span of the average consumer is relatively short, you know? Commercials are 30 seconds long. Uh, I, you know, I, I heard, uh, sorry to interrupt, but I yeah. heard uh, something that was like, our attention span is like, I want to say like eight seconds, but that might even be too long. But then like a goldfish was like even a little bit longer than that. Did, what did you just say? No, I'm just a kidding. Yeah, right, exactly. I, was, I got distracted in the middle of the sentence. Yeah. No, no, but you're yeah, right. exactly. You're right. You know, like uh, the hyper stimulated environment that we live in is conditioned us to lack the ability to focus in on a thing for any extended period of time. So even the six-week program that we design, six-week programs we design around, whether it's body weight or kettlebell or we're going to launch our steel mace program here shortly. Oh, sweet. Um, and then already have a, a recovery and light steel club program film that will be the next release. And then it'll be barbell and then heavy steel club. You know, what we want is to have that type of pre-planned experiential model of of developing skills while you're transforming your body, you're transforming your movement and you're developing a more holistic approach to your, your fitness, but also your lifestyle. Right. And so, so we, we, we give you guys those types of resources to do that. And then, you know, obviously if you have a more customized desire, you like a more like individualized goal, then that's going to take something that you can't just buy off the shelf. You know, you need to figure out, who you want to invest in coaching from because just coaching is invaluable. And I think you, you, we talked briefly about your experience in, in athletics and, and lacking that in, and how it can be a benefit at times, but at mm-hmm. what cost and potentially, yeah. potentially only a percentage of people are going to get to a point where th- they find their own path and they find benefit in that. Yeah. You know? Well, like in, in my college experience, you know, I played basketball, so the season didn't start till October, but we'd have our like 6 a.m. workouts and stuff, and we would try to lead it ourselves. And I can't tell you, like, by the time our season started, I would say on average, three to four people are hurt. Yeah. And it's because we we didn't have any kind of coach or trainer, you know, show us the right kind of workouts or something. Yeah, and I think that's something that's really important, you know, I think it's a lot of fun to like take turns torturing each other as young young men or as people in the gym and and that can be really fun like who could put together the best workout well what is the best workout mm-hmm. i think that's really a question uh, uh, a workout for the for the sake of getting sweaty sore and tired you know it it alludes to exactly what it is you just worked out what your energy your your body you depleted yourself that's great if that's what you need, you know, like you, if that's what you really need or want. But I really would argue to say that most people don't need. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say like nor would really, really need. Nor, nor really want that. It's just that that's what we've been conditioned to accept as the norm. And so, so 
you know, in a short period of time, say two, four, even maybe six weeks, that can really net you some pretty amazing um, transformative impacts. But the the cost of doing so will start showing up pretty fast. And, you know, I think I'd like to say, even though these six week programs are are well designed, then you're not at your goal at the end of six weeks. It's just a step towards your goal. And, you know, looking at these programs in any program, there's not one program that you should do perpetually for the rest of your life. Life's about uh, constantly shifting your focus towards what matters most at that time. And we talk about work-life balance. We talk about uh, attaining new skills. Everything that we need to learn takes an inordinate amount of investment on Mm -hmm. the front end. And then it becomes more efficient as time goes on. So like if if right now I need to achieve at work, I might need to put 65% of my time and energy into work and 35% into my home life. And is that balanced? No, but I don't stay there perpetually. Maybe it's a six-week training cycle and six weeks in, it's time to shift my focus the other way. So maybe it's 65% family as I'm an expecting father and 35% work. And maybe that can only be sustained for four weeks and then and it flips again. Yeah. But perpetually balanced looks like an ever-changing dynamic of where we place our energy and time and the type of attributes we may develop in those period of times or skills or, um, you know, or potentially just making sure that we are investing in recovery so that we can push hard in the next in the yeah, next yeah, phase, yeah. right? So, so I think that that's something we're looking at with our programming too. Is something that you can cycle through a various different mm-hmm. series of goals and, and programs that are complementary with each other, and just like you know, we're talking about life. Right? Yeah, yeah. I like how you brought up, uh, you know, what's important kind of going on in your life now. And and when I spoke to Kyle earlier. And I asked him about like a question he likes to ask himself is, you know, what's important now? And do you have any kind of strategies you put into place? Like maybe a monthly thing that you sit down like, okay, I just finished uh, this workout and I'm looking at my next kind of month. Like I'm expecting a like, congratulations, by the way. Thank you. I'm expecting a a child or something. I want to spend more time with my family. Then how do you sit down or what do you do to like, this is what I want to focus on as far as you know, fitness wise, because the the fitness has such a, a strong correlation to, you know, how you're going to perform when you're with your family and the whole rest of the, and whatever is, what else is more important, most important in your life at that moment of yeah. time. Yeah, I think that's really insightful as a question because I had just put a post up the other day, I was doing a 44 kilo kettlebell presses for triples every 30 seconds uh i'd alternate arms and do another triple so uh it sounded like a really amazing idea right like oh this will be no problem i mean i could press the 44 kilo for triples pretty pretty easily but compressing that work in a series of five minutes doing 15 reps uh of 44 kilo strict kettlebell presses on each arm uh in five minutes by the end I was like completely tapped and and not only that it wasn't necessarily just about that that wasn't the whole workout that was just part of it where I was challenging myself in a very unique way because as a theme I I pre-exhausted myself because I I, had put in this post it takes sometimes it takes more than strength but enduring strength like your ability to endure and still call on strength in times 
of fatigue, in times of stress, in times of less than ideal circumstances. So that morning I had done an hour on the aerodyne and about 15 minutes of auxiliary work to start the day. A 30-minute 30, uh, 30 moderate row on the rower and then went right into this, this compression of work because I was, you know, as an expecting father, part of my theme right now is like, I'm not going to be my best all the time and I still have to figure out how to be the best I can be in that moment. And so that <laughs> little that little work set was just a thematic kind of representation of, of what, what I feel is to come and what I needed to shift my mind around. So I've been actually doing, um, building a, a foundation of, of, of work strength, endurance, so work capacity, um, and working on generally more total volume with good amount of rest. So building volume throughout the day, you know, you know, I do some work in the morning, some work in the afternoon, some work in the evening, none of it maximal, but just being able to be consistent and call on myself to do the work consistently and, 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 uh, even when I don't want to, right. Yeah. And, and using that as a foundation to shift my mind around like, Hey, I'm going to be waking up early. I'm going to be going to bed late. I might not get very many hours of sleep and I have to have this as a, as a reference point, I think is, is kind of this goal in this last month of expecting, mm-hmm. expecting my son to be born. So that's been kind of a four week training cycle leading up to the, to the birth of the baby. And after that, I plan on really focusing on doing low intensity, high volume movements, stuff like, mm-hmm. you know, strap them on my chest and go for an hour long walk together and talk to them and, or, you know, um, you know, when he's napping, doing some, you know, light intent, low intensity calisthenic work in a circuit format and, or, you know, an air, air you know, ride and whatever I can do to make sure I just keep moving and stay active because the demand and the shift of focus is going to be very apparent. Right. So, so uh, and a parent in in like it'll be very obvious, but also be a new <laughs> parent. Um, so that's that's kind of that kind of yeah. That's funny that you asked that question, but that's definitely been something I've been thinking about. Is what I can do right now, I won't be able to do soon. So I'm gonna get as I'm gonna almost like nice, super nice. super dose some of this stuff. Like I've yeah. been training at a clip that I wouldn't normally sustain mm-hmm. for a long period of time, knowing I won't be sustaining it. Yeah. What would you say? And I mean, that probably has a lot to do with, you know, when is the best time to kind of work out? Like there's so many studies, you know, here about, you know, morning, if you work out, has a better impact on kind of your sleep as opposed to like later towards bedtime. However, there are some studies that show like if you work out towards the evening, you're, you might have stronger, your wrist strength is stronger with your forearms. And if you do it like three hours before bed, it actually is good. But then it also seems like it really bottles down to, okay, what's going on in my life right now? So then, really, how do you get in tune, would you say, with understanding and listening to yourself the most? Because it can, like you were saying also about so much information coming from all over the place, it can be easy to get overwhelmed and come across, oh my God, on its sixth body weight, I want to do that right now, kind of thing, but it may not really be the best at that time. I mean, I think that's a, a lifelong process is, is, you know, when our, 
when we teach within our education model, it's, it's it's largely about what you just said. How do you listen to yourself? Because ultimately, you can defer. You can defer all of the the decision making, and that's something that you you can do selectively when you choose a coach. So, what's great about that is you chose. Then you can defer, but you made an educated choice, right? And so you alluded to all these studies, but studies are going to say whatever the studies are designed to say most of the time. You know what I mean? There look there's a there's a bit of a bias towards the design of these things to get something, usually financially incented to to find out, right? So, what what are the studies going to come out that that don't have a financial interest for somebody? Well, the studies aren't going to be done. And so you 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 need to have studies with an N of one, you, you know, and I think that that is largely about exactly what you said, listening to yourself. What does that look like? It could be journaling. It could be introspective time of self of meditation, uh, with journaling, journaling followed up. You know, ideally, you need to create time and space where you actually are assessing your experience as a human being and your response to various stimulus how how do i feel about when this happens well how does my body respond when i train in the morning this way not train in the morning generally because guess what high intensity interval training is a very different thing than uh say like slow and steady cardio training long slow distance cardio or Inter, or non-interval based weight training with long rest intervals all these things are going to elicit a very different systemic response on your nervous system on your psyche on your energy throughout the day and i think just it doesn't really matter what the study says it matters how you respond to it and you saw you know i'm wearing my whoop band so i have my personal assessment of the situation and and it's kind of cool just to have some tech that either validates my experience or make be contrary to what it is I'm assessing in myself and it just creates more opportunity for dialogue like I wonder why that is right but ultimately nothing matters more than your experience so like yeah I think even when you choose to defer responsibility that you have to take responsibility for that choice right so like Solomon I trust you can you put me to put a this program together well I had to choose to trust you. So no matter the outcome, I still have some ownership, yeah. right? And so um, when, when these things happen, I think it's, it's a lot to ask the average consumer to be more self-aware. But ultimately, no one can do that for you, you know? And if, if the coolest thing on it six or, or everything, anything on it does or anything anybody else does is you're chasing what's cool, then then you're missing the boat. And I think that that's something that we try to address within everything we do it on it is it, it's total human optimization and you're the human, you know, that this, this is the center, central theme and figure yeah. in the process. And uh, you, you can't optimize all humans the same way. And the process is just being better every day, right? And so you're never done in that process, but you need to figure out what it is that impacts you in a positive way. We can always try to look at validating why it's a positive after the fact, but ultimately, you know, having a a well-founded framework that supports that process is is really important. I think that, you know, all the magazines and all the programs, they all need, need to be 
taken in all the information can be great information but it needs to be taken with a grain of salt and and filtered through your own lens you know yeah that helps a lot with after doing like the courses I've done I just finished up the kettlebell as well and you know I, I like how they're not necessarily designed to go you know balls to the wall like super hardcore and you take more of like a detailed approach that focuses more on like the the major and the minor movements and it seems that it actually like that approach actually tends to build more muscle and like show more results quicker but so with now that I've I've done like those and someone else maybe have done has done on its six and the kettlebell and potentially like other um fitness plan plans online or whatever there comes to a point at least for myself like it's so much consuming i want to kind of create my own i want to try different things to learn how would you how do you how would i go about like creating that along in addition to okay at this time of my life you know i can i want to work out a little bit harder and i i've done these different kettlebell workouts i've done these body weights what how can I sit down and like design something? Yeah, I think ultimately if you're looking to design programming of your own, there's there's a variety of different ways to go about that, right? So one, there there's a lot of education available and I think that it's good to understand the principles by which you would want to design a program around, right? You, know, you have to have some understanding of what it is you're trying, what outcomes you're trying to elicit and how different strategies play in into you reaching your goals, right? Through the design of that program. Um, if you've done things like on at six, I think uh, you can hybridize the experience to some extent if you internalize in, like what it is that a program does. Because we try to give some explanation as yeah. to how it all works too, right? We don't we don't try to make it behind a, in a black box and tell you how it and fail to tell you how things work together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we try to create things that are highly complementary to uh, in design with regards to like say functional mobility the work itself and then the decompression all like you said oddly seem to contribute to a greater outcome than just doing more work and that's I think something that's really important to take into account that uh, unconventional off- the way we look at it is like unconventional warfare it's not like if I just take all of my forces and line them up and meet them head on against this other force is that the most efficient way of overwhelming this opposition mm-hmm. like well maybe not maybe a subversive approach maybe diplomatic approaches espionage uh, cutting off a food and supply line for the other army and then attacking them is a better way to go yeah. and that, that's kind of the way we look at this right so um, one of the things we're going to be looking at doing in the future to make that very thing more accessible is um think about music playlists and you notice in on it six each warm-up each workout and each cool down are broken up into th- each individual videos so in the future as we continue to develop develop the rest of the on it six library we're going to allow you to kind of create a, your own journey a six-week program of the bits and pieces that are within the library so kind of select like daily uh you know workouts and then put it together because that's what i'm interested you know like i got the the kettlebell swings i got the kettlebell push-ups you know how can i bring it together into a actionable okay like warm up uh and then like five reps four sets kind of 
Sure. For. Yeah, and if you're looking at something that so ultimately what we're going to be doing within the Honest Six library is those different pieces of the puzzle can be reconfigured to meet your needs, right? So ultimately, you'd still be working within the resources that are provided within the the standard programs. Mm -hmm. But if you're looking at like, oh, like I want like a more traditional strength program because these are more follow along, which means they're more on timed sets versus like rep sets and reps, you know. Um, then we're going to be look. We partnered with a company called Bridge Athletic, and we're going to be making. A lot of the programming that we've designed and made available within their gym and within our education system available through through purchase in there and then you could tweak the the foundational framework to meet your own individualized wants and needs so that's a good approach too so rather than starting from a blank blank slate having some guidelines and and uh you know some bumpers so to make sure you know like if you're bowling as a kid it's kind of nice not to hit the gutter every time. So having some guidelines and bumpers to help you navigate yourself back towards center um, is is what we hope to create as a formula to help people be more successful in that. You know? That's awesome. I really like it. And it's like, is it all the like the functional training and the unconventional approach is, is it working better because it's like targeting more minute or, yeah, my, minor kind of muscles? Or what's the really... I think it's more holistic in nature the way yeah. that we are pushing it. It's not necessarily the fact that it's, you know, there, there's some novel stimulus, right? So that's always, always something that's an opportunity. I think people fail to realize, like, if you've done the same thing for six months, guess what? You're not adapting to very quickly anymore. The same thing, you know, you're not you're not eliciting the same type of response, and so it doesn't mean we need to do everything different all the time for the sake of novelty, but if we can find new ways to complement the original goal, uh, if you're bench pressing and the front of your shoulders are getting wrecked because you've just built a shit ton of volume in this very specific movement that isn't really functional in itself, well, if you're really attached to bench pressing, my job is not to tell you not to. My job is to figure out how to make sure you don't injure yourself in, yeah. the, in, the, in, in the process of reaching your goal. So, So maybe your joints need some attention. Maybe there's fascial restrictions that are impeding joint function and joint health and tendon and ligament health. I think everybody's so focused on muscle and they're, they're missing the boat that there are a variety of tissues that need to work together harmoniously for our body to function well. So a lot of times people look bigger, but they're not necessarily putting on more muscle. They just have better posture. Maybe they look taller and it's not that they you know, got taller, they just stand in, in a better posture, you know, so, so many of these things, the perception versus the reality can be very different, you know, and for you to say like, hey, I, I feel like I put on more muscle, maybe you did, and maybe you just carry it different, and I'm okay with either, yeah. as long as you feel genuinely better in your body, and you're seeing it perform better, more responsively, in more dynamic ways, and hopefully not only contributing to you feeling more confident in your physical capacity, but maybe even contributing to, you know, cognitive function at a higher level or emotional stability at a higher level because, uh, you know, lo and behold, maybe these things all relate. Um, those are the things that I think the unconventional approach we're, we're trying to make sure people understand is like, 
hey, you can get bigger biceps and I can help you get bigger biceps while still getting all these other things at the same time, right? What's one of the most kind of valuable lessons that you really learned through all of this kind of journey of training and trying different things? I think we've kind of touched on it is the human experience is largely an emotional one, you know, and perception is reality. So, um, you know, I, I, I want you to feel like you get a say in what we would do together. You get to choose what product you want to do. You get to choose whether you listen to me or not. You get to choose what your goal is. But once we get going beyond that, you know, hopefully I will design something that gives you what you want. Yeah. But it's also my obligation to give you what you need, you know. And so um, the reality that people live in this emotional reality, the, the, the need for humans to feel like they're, they're the, the masters of their destiny, that they get to choose in whatever capacity they do is a huge factor in a successful coach client relationship and then after that um, you know from my perspective uh, the need to build trust through meaningful communication uh, because you know psychology trumps physiology to be honest uh, to be able to say like hey the trust and faith someone has in the program is largely going to be a driving factor as to what the outcomes of yeah. the program are so you know if I'm doing my job right then uh you're gonna have an amazing experience, get the results you want, probably a lot of results you didn't even know that you wanted. Nice, thank you very much. Well, with all the experiences and knowledge you have about all these specific things, what advice or what habits would you kind of give to someone my age or to your younger self? Like habits that you wish you implemented back at a younger age? Yeah, I think, some daily rituals are very important, right? So um, for me, these days, you know, starting the day with intention, you know, so understanding that, you know, for me to do that, sometimes it takes time and space for me to settle into my body and settle into my mind. So um, a big practice that works really well for me because I have, you know, just an aerodyne at home is you know 30 minutes or so on the aerodyne 15 minutes of exploratory movement joint What's mobility. Aerodyne, sorry? it's just an air resistance bike you know mm-hmm. uh, and so and while I'm doing that generally I'm listening to an audiobook so I'm I'm taking in information that I select to help shift my mind and my perception in a way that I choose right um, second would be um you know, smile every day. You know, everything is about uh, perception. You know, like we talk about this emotional reality. And an uh, old hippie friend, you know, he's like, man, you know, it's the, all about the attitude of gratitude, you know? So if you're facing a challenge, be grateful for the opportunity to overcome it. It's not going to change whether or not the reality is there to face it's going to change the experience you have in that reality. And, you know, I've, I've alluded to having to overcome some, some tough times. I mean, I'm thankful I was a 130-pound meth addict and that I've had to learn to overcome that. I'm thankful that I've survived my, my divorce and I'm now in a, a healthy, amazingly uh, successful relationship that's emotionally fulfilling because it was by my design and by the design of the person I'm with. And, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm 
happy that I've failed in business and life in all the ways that I have because of the lessons that, that I've learned in the process are the only way I'm successful now. So uh, if I'm going to fail, let's fail forward and fail fast so that I can pick myself up and, and be thankful for the lessons learned, you know. And so it might be hard in the time being, you know, at the time you're experiencing it, but the sooner you can make that perceptual shift, the better. And then, uh, you know, in not only being thankful for those experiences, but, you know, learning, uh, third, the third one I would say is like, uh, learning forgiveness and, and not just forgiving others, but forgiving yourself. Yeah. Because the, the large issue we have with forgiving others is we're so judgmental of ourselves. So, you know, every relationship we have external is a reflection of the relationship we have with ourselves. you know, and, uh, you know, largely through training, we can develop better communication with ourselves, better self-awareness, better understanding, and hopefully a lot better um, ability to to be appreciative of self and appreciative of those around us, right? So, so ultimately, those are the things I think for me, if I was to sum up anything that mattered that affected everything, those things kind of affect everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, um, so for me, those are some of the things that... I think have been challenging, have been rewarding, and have been uh, a key to me continuing to f- find myself in better today than the day I was preceding. Nice. With the with starting the day, like kind of intention, as you said, is is there like a t- uh, a question you like to ask yourself? Like Kyle suggested, you know, what's important now? Yeah. When? What what kind of a question? Like a, one that I like uh, right now is. How can I offer more value or how can I bring more value or service to others today knowing that my rewards are exactly proportional to the value I bring to others? Yeah, I think for me, I like to, uh, my self-assessments are are not always daily. Like I, if I make a choice, so again, I've talked about like those audio books, so this is what I'm working on now. So how can I apply what it is I'm choosing to take in today? Those, those are the things I'm always asking. Like, hey, there's new information. Can I develop uh, some familiarity or some positive repetitions in this skill, in this newfound perspective that I'm empowering myself with? Because the sooner I do, the, the sooner it can positively impact and permeate my life, right? So because um, so, knowing is doing. Like you, like you hear people like, yeah, I got this, or I know. Unless you're doing it, you don't got this, and you don't know because doing is the most accurate representation of knowing. You know, it's moving from that intellectual knowing to that actual experiential. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. And there's a huge disconnect between what we think, you know, in our cognitive analytical self and what we put out there in action. And you know, we all know, but we don't all do. And I think that's a lifelong challenge. I'm mm-hmm. certainly far from perfect in that, but but that's what I expect of yeah. myself. But you went out in the arena, and like you said, I mean, you've had the ups and downs, but you made those choices. You actually went out and, and did. That's awesome. I'm trying. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully people are benefiting from it. That's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. ultimately the thing, just like you said. If my rewards are directly proportional to my ability to be of service, then, man, you know, I, I feel very lucky I feel rewarded in more ways than I feel deserving of more often than not. And in that way, I'm very grateful. And I just hope to 
utilized as a platform to be of greater service. Awesome. Well, Coach John, what is the gift that you'd like to share with the world? Um, just one big energetic and, and actual hug, man. You know, uh, if, if, if anything I can do, like the nice thing about hugs, uh, if you know anything about your love, your love languages, it's always a good thing. You know, a little five love language background, you know, mine are, uh, physical touch and words of affirmation. So, uh, one thing about physical touch is, you know, they also talk about, uh, babies, nervous systems don't develop unless they're they have human contact. So what's the importance of touch? In, a, in an orphanage, many children die if they're not interacted with, with other humans because their nervous systems don't develop. Wow. If, if uh, you know, people, they say, like the studies, I think it was like, to be emotionally fulfilled, you need like a minimum of six or seven hugs a day or something like that. You know, like genuine, positive, hug energetic this. exchange, right? You know, and that physical interaction, though maybe societally isn't always appropriate for every person that you interact with. Not everybody wants to be touched, right? And that's something to acknowledge, but but we all we inherently, all inherently are fulfilled through what we perceive as a positive physical interaction, right? And so so for me the nice thing about hugs is the more hugs I give, the more hugs I get. It's not like if I give you a dollar I have a dollar less. If I give you a hug I gotta hug more. And uh and so whether that hug is in person or through through hopefully the intention behind anything I share or put out in the world, you know, whether it's by watching uh, a silly, uh, you know, online fitness program or interview because I'm not overly serious, right? You know, so um, hopefully you feel like, you know, enveloped in positive vibes and love and energy from anything I put out there because that's, that's the goal. Awesome. Thank you very much. How can people get a hold of you? And then, you know, if somebody wants to try out the Onnit 6 or the kettlebell. Yeah, man. Uh, so check me out on Instagram, Coach John Wolf. And then uh, if you're interested in anything we have going on uh, on the fitness side, like Solomon said, Onnit 6 is a great way to start. Just go check out Onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T.com slash six either spelled out or the number and you'll land on a a page where those those programs and those offerings are available for you to check out hopefully if you do uh check them out and you like them you know leave a review reach out let me know what you think i'd, I'd love to hear from you awesome well thank you very much john and i'm gonna give you a big hug after this <laughs> awesome man hugs i'm down <laughs> Thank you very much for tuning in and listening to these wonderful gifts, which I hope have brought you some great value. We have many more guests to come and gifts pour over this world. And don't forget, if you have enjoyed any of these episodes or would like to hear some more, please leave me a review on Apple or Anchor Podcast or that little star on Outcast. I'm always looking for topics to learn and talk about, gifts to share, and value to bring to us all. For more updates, check out SolomonEzra.com. You can also sign up for my newsletter about new podcasts and blogs.